Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Quintessential Podcast, fresh off a weekend that I call the uh, Towson-Virginia game. Cavaliers, with their spring break week, got their offense clicking in that game. They'll play Maryland on Saturday uh, in Charlottesville on the ACC Network. Kark will have that call along with Anish Shroff. I'm heading off to the NCAA Wrestling Tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Each night we're on ESPN if you need a break from March Madness. Uh, Before we bring in Xander Dixon, our guest from the University of Virginia, I just want to take a look briefly at the top 20 and what stands out this week. My article is available on laxallstars.com. Uh, ACC at the top. You got Virginia and Notre Dame, the two unbeatens. They'll actually play on March 25th. Uh, let's see if both teams can survive this week. And then Duke uh, is as high as number three right now. And, and when you look at Duke's schedule, yeah, they've won a bunch of close games. I think they've been involved with four or five close games. They should have beaten Jacksonville. They lost that game. They should have lost to Denver. They actually won that game. Uh, but you see incremental improvements from their midfield. Just a devastating performance on Friday night in a win over Loyola. Then you've got a bunch of teams from the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's had an outstanding season. Okay, I got Big Ten teams at four, five, six, and ten. Okay, you got Maryland, Penn State, Rutgers, Ohio State still hanging around the top as well. But I think the difference is this year Johns Hopkins is better. Michigan is better. Okay, Michigan beat Harvard last week. They come in at 20 in the media poll. I didn't put them in my top 20 because they lost to Marquette. I think it's a game that a lot of pollsters slept on, but Michigan for, for certain is better this year. So the top to bottom nature of the big 10, much stronger this year, the ACC with one, two, three, and the Ivy had a rough week. I mean, what can you say? Cornell loses, Harvard loses, Brown gets blown out at Carolina, Penn loses and Princeton loses. Okay. Dartmouth is still un- unbeaten. But the Ivy League looks like a complete free-for-all. And one thing's for certain, given the non-conference results, is not as many Ivy League teams are making the tournament this year. Probably going to have more from the Big Ten, going to have more from the ACC, could have more from the Big East, because Villanova is trending in the right direction. Denver has beaten North Carolina, and Georgetown seems to have found their way now, uh, albeit a shaky win over Richmond, which uh, Georgetown only made five saves. So those are the major storylines within the top ten. I think when you look beyond it, I think it's going to be really fascinating what shakes down in the Patriot League uh, because there's a lot of players there and nobody seems to be separating. Loyola with a good start, beating Maryland and Hopkins, but they've come back down to to earth. Army continues to win. I've watched them on tape. I haven't been overly impressed. Lehigh is tough with Sisselberger facing off, and obviously BU won the league last year. So that league race, uh, which, which starts like right now is, is going to be intriguing. Uh, but, uh, but I hope you jo- enjoy uh, Xander Dixon. He's our guest again, Virginia and Maryland face off on Saturday, two o'clock on the ACC network. Quintessential podcast welcomes in Xander Dixon, redshirt senior attackman, the university of Virginia Cavaliers are undefeated hosting Maryland this Saturday at two o'clock. That game's on the ACC network. I believe uh, Paul Carcaterra and Anish Shroff will have the call. I'm heading off to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the NCAA Wrestling Championships. Uh, we've got six shows, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. 
we're on ESPNU. And then uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we're on ESPN. Championships, I believe, are 7 o'clock East Coast time. Always, always an amazing event. I always come back from wrestling really uh, inspired because those athletes are, uh, they're just, they're just ridiculously, uh, ridiculously fit, skilled, tough, intense. Uh, and, and they got, they got a, a mental capacity that, that you don't see in, in every other sport. Xander, first of all, uh, congratulations. Nice game the other day against Towson. You guys had a, uh, an eventful week, a little spring break, but coach, uh, coach had you all over the map. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was definitely not a spring break for our team and our guys. I think it was probably more one of the most grueling weeks we've had in a while, going from Florida then to Baltimore, career day, Secret Service was really cool. But you mentioned that last game, guys were tired. I'm glad we were able to sort of pick it up for that last that second half and just keep the legs under us, but definitely a long week. Yeah, you know, spring break, back in the day, we'd have double sessions, which were just, just death. Uh, I think we'd go at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock, and then they bring us back at the normal time, 3.30. And by the end of the week, we're just toast. And, and we never played well during spring break. But you felt the benefits the week after. You got back in the classroom. You got more rest and all that practice time. All those individual sessions uh, added up. Uh, tell me, before, before we move on to this topic, uh, the, the career day. You guys, you guys were in, in, in Baltimore, and then I know you went to the Secret Service training facility. What, what was that like? It sounds pretty interesting. It was awesome. Uh, Kip Turner, shout out to him. He set it all up. We had alums from everywhere talking. We had a couple of international lawyers, a couple of real estate guys. Um, Evan Washburn showed up and talked to us. It was pretty cool for us to see. And then we headed straight from there to Secret Service headquarters where we got like an in-depth look at all their training, which was probably the coolest part of the day for us. I mean, we got, got some guns in our hands and cool stuff like that, some cars and some Fast and Furious type driving we got to see. So all around we were tired, but that definitely a good day around. I heard there were some simulators. There were some simulators. I participated in a simulator. I don't know how well I did, but they gave us some guns, some VR simulators, and uh, not real guns, of course, but we were police officers. We were Secret Service agents, and just they threw us in like hot, and we had to handle the situation, and then afterwards, they'd grade us. They'd show us whether we were supposed to use deadly force or whatnot, and then I, I didn't do great, honestly, but it was fun to sort of see that. Did it feel like you were reading the crease making the decision with the ball on your stick and having a having a say yes or no yes or no it was a little more nerve-wracking i think than that but similar <laughs> that's good hey uh you're from greenwich and i'm seeing a lot of guys from greenwich and girls uh in, in, in d1 uh women's lacrosse what is it about uh, greenwich is doing something at the youth level that's that's been real productive uh, what what is it what's the secret sauce going on at greenwich right now I don't know what it is exactly. I mean, shout out to Grand Youth Across, Pat Coleman. He's he's a stud. He was a stud player in college. Um, he still texts me every day. I know he texts Wilson Stevenson every day. A lot of the Greenwich guys around. Um, I don't know. I mean, at a young age, I have a theory that 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 youth program's getting better and better in every year, and so are the schools in the area. I think it stems from just the young guys. Like when I was, so when I was in seventh eighth grade with Joel with Pat Coleman, guys like my brother Kyle Foot, Ryan Benacasa. You know, they would come to our practices. We'd see them. We'd be in awe, right? And they would give us little tips and advice. And that just sort of lights a fire in you. You want to be them when you're older. You want to give back. So now we're in the position where we can go back, Wilson and I, and, you know, show the younger guys what we've learned from Coleman. I think that system just feeding itself and young guys looking at the older guys. And every year they're getting better and better, which is awesome. You had a big time career at Brunswick. And again, Br Brunswick school suddenly is like dominant nationally. Uh, how do you explain the success that, that Brunswick schools had in terms of, uh, you know, boys lacrosse? I love watching it. I saw Brunswick got that number one ranking recently. I texted Coach Bruce. He's pumped. We're pumped for them. Um, 
same thing, you know, a team, I had two older brothers, David Dixon and Marshall Dixon both played there. And when I was young and my buddies, we'd go to all those games, Friday nights, Saturday nights, where every game we're watching, we're on the field at halftime. And I think every year we've seen it just get better and better and better. And whether it was beating teams that hadn't previously been beatable by us or, or winning New England's and then now hunting for national championships every year at that program, the young guys are just exceeding the, the grades above them every year. And I think it's just, it's just watching those older guys and, you know, wanting to emulate what they do. And now they're, they're way better than we were when we were there. Your older brother, David, was a really good player at Bucknell. Uh, what, what impact did he, did he have on, on you as a player? Everything. I give, I give David all the credit in the world and Marshall and Amy. Um, my parents both played college tennis and they were studs and they were great athletes, but they had never heard of lacrosse. So David came out. I don't know how or why I picked up a lacrosse stick and he was the oldest one. He was the one we all looked up to and, and we all just followed him. And then he was the first one where I was watching him day in and day out in the backyard. And I didn't really know how to, there's an age gap there, David and I, you don't like that. I said that, but there is an age gap and I didn't really know how to sort of be really good friends with him when we were young because he was older and cooler and everything he was doing was like new to me and lacrosse is sort of our bond for all of us and I think we're always in the backyard together and then watching him be a stud wherever he was at Brunswick Greenwich High School like at Bucknell watching all of his games in person online just watching him do what he did so well feeding dodging he's a really good feeder from X he's probably one of the best I think in my opinion but watching him was just like I not only did I want to emulate it but it also put the pressure on me I wanted to be him I wanted to be as good as he was and it sort of fueled me to work hard. It wasn't really working for me because I enjoyed every second of it in the backyard with him, my dad, my brother, and my sister. And I think he just sort of paved the way for us and everyone was chasing his tails from there. So you're the youngest of four. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm three of four in my family. Uh, so I'm kind of like the middle, uh, I got middle tendencies. Uh, what impact or, or what's it like being the youngest of, of, yeah. of, a, of, a, of, a, of a group? I like it. I, I think it, it toughened me up a little bit when I was younger. You know, there were, were uh, my sister, she's the toughest of all of us for sure. And and she's probably one of the best of all of us too, if not the best at Cornell. She was a stud. And um, I know Marshall and David get a lot of credit, but she was a real workhorse. And I think just for me, just to watch them and be like, I need to be as good as they are. I need to do what they've done. And then my mom driving us everywhere, every game. My dad, especially though, in the backyard, he would do a lot of tricks on us to keep us out there, whether it was Texting us from work, like, have you done 50 righty, 50 lefty, do 100 lefty then, like, not that it really paid off, my lefty's not great anymore, but um, he would get a radar gun, like little stories like this, he had a radar gun, and we'd all be out there, and Amy, my sister, would shoot, and he would yell out, like, 84, and then David Marsh and I would shoot, and he'd give us all 60s, and just to get in our head, you know, to light a fire under us, that she was shooting harder than us, and things like that, just not really pinning us against each other, but, like, me just having three older people in my house that I could either ask questions to or watch how hard they were working, what they were doing, that just sort of allowed me to just get better and better every day elite tennis players have a work ethic and a practice schedule that few i think from from the normal world really understand in terms of just the overall body conditioning but then just how much they want to be out there hitting and hitting and hitting until, until uh have your parents segued to pickleball or are they still playing tennis oh my god yes the pickleball is like their number <laughs> thing. every anything pickleball is a new sport called padel my dad is all over everything and he's finding where the courts are where we're playing we are for Christmas, we just got pickleball rackets and paddles, and, and that's all we do. Um, there's courts near our house, so yeah, they're anything with a with a racket, you know, they're into. So, yeah, you got that right. I'm guessing you're pretty good. Can do you hit with both hands and pickleball, or do you go backhand? No, I go backhand. The one-handed backhand slice, very light. One-handed backhand slice. You, you you know, there are certain your hands at times. I can see that you play tennis as as a young kid. You you got a certain wrist control and and hand control that that is uh, that's notable. Yeah, that it definitely comes from tennis too. I mentioned the other day, um, 
my dad is 64 now. He's still playing. You know, he was he was really, really good in college. He played at North Carolina, which is still some of the best. And he still hits with a lot of those college players now and the UVA guys and the Texas guys, a couple of Greenwich players. So he's still like some of the best. And I actually, I beat my older brother the other day, which he won't be happy that I'm saying that. And so then I challenged my dad, who is 64, and he kicked my butt. And his it's his wrist. It's his, his IQ out there. Um, so every day when we were young, like if we weren't playing lacrosse, it was probably hockey and then tennis. So yeah, I think the wrist motion, all that comes, all that hand eye, it all comes from playing tennis a lot when I was younger. I had Liam Entman from Notre Dame on last week, and I asked him if Notre Dame was was hard, if it was middle of the road, or if it was easy. He said it was hard. Tell me about Virginia academically. Hard, easy, or middle of the road? I'd say Virginia is what you make of it. You know, our team is built up of a little bit of everything. So we have a couple of engineers. We have uh, comm school here, which um, is very grueling, very challenging. Couple offs. I myself am an American Studies major, which isn't the most grueling, but I kind of listen to the older guys coming in, like John Fox and those guys who told me what to do, what they did. I followed in their footsteps. And I would say, depending on which route you take, you can kind of make it whatever you want. But all around, I'd say it's it's pretty good at preparing you for the real world, preparing you just the way you think, the way you are talking to people and stuff like that. So I'd say middle of the ground upwards. I took a I took a trip to Virginia. It was early September. Unfortunately, they ruined me with a freshman at the time who didn't really know his way around. He couldn't answer very many of my questions. We, we actually couldn't get into any of the frat parties that night either. Uh, and, and I never ended up touring the quad. I never toured the <laughs> campus. It was, it was the most botched recruiting trip ever. And I still almost went to Virginia. Uh, I, I, I can imagine that, that your recruiting was pretty wild, widespread. Who, who, what did it come down to for you? Yeah, so my freshman year, I committed to University of Pennsylvania with Murphy and at the time Myers, um, and then junior year of high school. So my dad was in Carolina, and I always wanted to go to Carolina. But as a freshman, you know, I, I heard Penn, and I, my eyes lit up, and my mom was excited about the IVs and everything. I took it, and I, I love Penn still. Like, I have a bunch of buddies there. And then I was going to Carolina because my dad went there, and I grew up Tar Heel fan basketball and everything, Tyler Hansbro. Um and then Kip Turner reached out to John Fox, Patrick Birkenshaw, who are like my best buddies at Brunswick. And they told me like Virginia was interested. And so I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely interested in Virginia. Who's not? And then I took a trip down here, flew to Charlottesville, walked around Clockner, saw the rotunda with Kip and walked around with my mom. And she was in love immediately. The moment we got the plane, she was in love. As it's for, We were in like, I think it was April. Maybe it was beautiful at the time. So campus looked great. And ultimately it was that staff. Coach Kerwin is a genius. I've learned even more now, five years later, but at the time I knew he was a genius, what he's doing. And I saw guys like Doc Saken, Ryan Conrad, Connor Schellenberger. And I was like, I want to be around the best. I don't want to, I, I want to be with guys who I know are going to make me better and have a good work ethic. And I think all of that combined was just pretty easy. Once I step foot here, it's a pretty big no-brainer for me. You know, I mentioned on the air the other day about Sean Kerwin, uh, offensive coordinator for University of Virginia, uh, a great goal scorer at Tufts. He was an inside player. And so much of your offense, you see the subtleties and nuance of the inside, whether it's a scissors cut, guys uh, shooting a twister, you know, with, with, a, with a severe angle. It seems like you guys are really well schooled in the art of playing inside. Uh, what, what kind of influence has Coach Kerwin had, had on your game? Everything. I, I can't give enough credit to Coach Kerwin if I tried. I mean, he is not only is he a genius, he's a mastermind with what he's doing and the way he prepares us for, for games and opponents. For my money, we're the best prepared offense in the country day in and day out. But talk about the inside play. And I at Brunswick, I wasn't really an inside player. I was more of behind X kind of quarterback type style. And my whole career is more of a feeder. And then getting here, there was obviously a pretty big log jam of incredible X attackmen like Matt Moore, Connor Schellenberger. 
So I was looking in the future. I saw Laviano leaving, and I was always impressed with what he's able to do. He's such a great career here. So I kind of wanted to fill that role, and I talked to Cur Coach Curran about that. And from then on, he just sort of poured all this knowledge on me and how he would play. The tw you mentioned twisters and how important they are. And you don't have to put in your left hand here. You can keep it in your right hand. You can do these, these maneuvers. And just him showing us, it stems from his career first, but him showing us like these hot spots in teams' defenses. And once they guard that, we can counter it with these kind of cuts. And it's really impressive watching what he knows. I mean, sometimes before games, he'll he'll almost script. He gives us a lot of freedom. He'll script like who's going to get the first man up goal, who score, who's the second one, because he knows what they're doing because he was on the field then and he can see that. So he, he is just nothing but great things to say about him. And he's just sort of created a pretty deadly insight here, I think. You're, you're a natural attackman. Uh, but you're running out of the box uh, in a midfield position. Uh, you can pl also, you know, play attack. I think at the pro level, you'll probably run out of the box uh, in the PLL would be my guess to start. Uh, what's it been like? What's it been like when you go from that X attackman at Brunswick growing up with the balls in your stick, you're at X, you're running the show to being a guy who's now known as, as one of the smartest off ball players in the country and, and really versatile. And, and you're behind sometimes you're on the crease. Sometimes you're in the wing. Sometimes uh, what, what, what's it like from yeah, that, that, that skill set? Definitely at first, it was definitely, I'd say a little bit humbling. You know, I, I always wanted the ball on my stick. I always wanted to be sort of the one quarterbacking things. But then when I got here and I saw that there, I was not as talented as some of these guys, just sort of adapting to it. And then I think Coach Curran, another thing he does a great job of is he knows every player's strengths and weaknesses, and he knows where to put them to get the most out of them. So whether it's having me at attack, having me at midfield, you know, he knows what a defense is doing and what, where they want to see our players and what they've planned for. And he'll just flip it on its head and be like, all right, bring you out of the box. We'll put you behind now because they think you're going to be inside the whole game. And just the way he counters it makes my job really easy. And the way this offense is pretty positionless just allows everyone to sort of be in like the perfect spot for their skill set. So I think at first, you know, I just swallowed my pride a little bit. But now looking back, I mean, I couldn't be happier that I made the decision I did. Um, just because he, he knows what we're good at, what we're not great at, and he knows how to get the most out of each player, which you've seen here. Virginia is, uh, starts off a three-game stretch. That's just uh, unbelievable. Virginia hosts Maryland. Okay, this is a rematch of uh, the championship game back in, uh, what, 2020, when you guys won it, 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, then the following week, you head out to Notre Dame on ESPNU. That game's at noon to play Notre Dame. The week after that, it's a Friday night game against Duke at Clockner. So you got three big time, exciting games coming up. I, I want I want to go back to the 2019 title, your redshirt season. Uh, were you dressed for the championships? Were you were you like out there? Like oh. how, how how they handle the redshirt that year? So the redshirt was the year after during COVID. I didn't play much 2019. Oh, okay. I've got, yeah, I've got maybe a a shift or two in the natty that year. I didn't do much. I got. Picked up a ball guy that got stripped by, I think it was fake at the time at Yale. Um, that was my claim to fame, my contribution in that game. But still, yeah, at that point, I was just watching in awe. That was a cardiac Cavs year. That was when we were down every game in the fourth quarter with a minute left. And then there goes Conrad and Doc's, Doc's time. Um, so that, yeah, that year I was just watching in awe mainly, got a little time of man up. But that was just a big learning year for me and a big looking at where I can plug myself in the future. 2021, when you guys won the title, you had uh, 10 and 10, 20 points. How does this year's team compare to maybe 19 and, and 21? Just broad brush. I'd say top of my head, skill-wise, it's pretty similar. I think both all years I've been pretty low to rosters here in Virginia. I think this year something we're priding ourselves on is the ball movement and relying 
a little less on, you know, having to have sort of these hero plays by guys and a little more on this team O, which is something that obviously those teams were incredible and those teams won national championships and we were getting away with it there. But seeing that we could probably move the ball a little more and you've seen that with our assisted goal ratio right now is through the roof. And I think that takes pressure off of guys too, right? Like in years prior, it's like, Matt, you need to go to the net docs. We need to go right now. Like we don't have a minute left. And they, they did it. They, in the big, in the big stage, they, they uh, came through, but now it's like, all right, Connor, you don't have to do every rep. You don't have to go to the goal on your own. You know, we have help. We have Dodgers, we have feeders and finishers and just be how selfless we've become over the years. And something that's really nice to watch. I think you guys are averaging over 13 assists per game, which is really on par or even more than Maryland. Uh, and I thought Maryland's offense last year really kind of opened everyone's eyes and set a new standard since the shot clock is like, wow, you pass the ball. Well, now you're going to get, you're going to get slam dunks. You guys going into that Towson game was shooting 44%. But I, but I do want to ask you about one-on-ones because I look at your defense, Cole Kastner, Kate Sawstad, Scotty Bauer, like the animals. When you're doing one-on-one lines, like, is there a tendency to want to tie your shoe and, and time it up so, so you don't have to see one of those guys? Because, like, it's hard enough in a game off a of ball movement to, to take on one of those animals. But when, when you're lined up at X, let's say, doing one-on-ones in practice, that is scary. That is scary. Those guys are, those guys are, are they're just, just, just nuts. Oh, it, you got that right. It's terrifying sometimes, someday, especially when you're a little tired and you take a ball and the whistle blows and it's Cole Kastner and Matsui sliding and, and Bowers the fail, you know, it, it's, it's not fun. And sometimes I will be like, park myself in the crease a little bit and play a little more off ball in those days. But I mean, sometimes we have a good, our offense has, has some big guys too. You know, we got Ricky shuts. Connor is not small. People don't understand how, how strong, how big Connor is too. So, and then Corms and I off ball or Corms and I, we, we still try to dodge as much as we can. Um, yeah. The, the defense is intimidating. And I think that is, probably a huge advantage for us so honestly I mean Monday through Friday we're playing against those guys so then come Saturday you know a lot of defenses are averaging like six five and a half so for us I think it makes it a little easier going into the weekends but definitely we've got some injuries we're, we're banged up sometimes Monday through Friday because of how physical we are but I, I think it helps us are you guys still on this the schedule uh, where Sunday's a work day and Monday's more of an off day oh yeah <laughs> Uh, can, can, explain that to the fans because I love it. I think it makes a lot of sense given that to win a national championship, you've got to win on Saturday and Monday. Okay. And teams that don't address playing two hard games in three days are, are just not going to win. And we've seen teams perform subpar, uh, you know, coming on the short rest. The other is, is in other leagues, not the ACC. If you want to win a league championship, you got to win on a Friday or Sunday or Thursday and Saturday. And for a lot of schools, that means getting to, into the NCAA tournament. And so to give Sunday off and to come back Monday and be ratty and raggy, uh, that's not really preparing yourself. So, so Virginia's gone to uh, a workout Sunday and Monday being more of your off day. Ha- uh, ex- explain to the fans what it's like. Exactly. So you nailed it. And it's, it's two part. One, it's we're emulating the national championship Memorial Day weekend. Right. And I think for us, when we've gotten to that point in the past, I think that's when it's most important. We're like, we've, trained all year for this and no one else has no one else is doing what we're doing so mentally you get that advantage and then physically I think the other side of it is we first got it from NFL schedules NFL coaches talking about it and then Lars adopted it and it worked out well but also the idea of Saturday game your body's tired can you get in there Sunday and that's our heaviest lift that's not like get in there to check the box and tell people we're doing that it's a heavy lift and it's back squat and it's deadlifting and it's a lot so I think it's getting the blood flowing and then having Monday to rest is huge. But I think, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, it's just the idea of 
when we get to final four weekend, which hopefully is inevitable for us every year, it's what we're trying to sort of the standard we're trying to set here. We're going to be more prepared than other guys. And you're going to go into the game knowing that and feeling that and believing it. So I think it's done wonders for us just from the mental side alone. Yeah. And then social side, I mean, let, let's be honest, like I used to lift on Sundays with my roommate, Dave Howland, uh, you know, and again, it was a, a Sunday is a heavy day. Uh, did it impact our behavior on Saturday nights? Probably. And, you know, that's that's real. Like there are teams who drink themselves out of contention. Uh, there, there are teams where where partying and what goes on Saturday night impacts practice on Monday and Tuesday too much. And and I, I, I give you guys credit for attacking that and, and going at that and, and and teaching young people how to how to make decisions. It's it's, it's uh, you, you got to make a decision every Saturday night. Exactly. Maybe you talk about young people too. Maybe the freshmen, I mean, my freshman year, I probably did it too. You think you can get away with it, but it's going to come back to bite you. You know, if you're staying up a little too late Saturday, maybe drinking too much, um, you'll learn quickly. Like you gotta, you gotta be ready for Sunday. It's not, it's not a light. It's, it's a real day. You know, we're not, not only are we lifting, watching film, watching future opponents, but we're out there playing on Sundays too. And as much as you don't want to do it, you gotta be ready because coaches are watching and they're valuing every second of every day. So I think it's good for the young guys to sort of feel it around and then figure out slowly, like, okay, this is a real deal. I got to get to bed early. Did coach mention your name in terms of being one of the highest scores in the, in the Virginia Ironman uh, competitions? <sighs> yeah, I was able to win it this year, thankfully. I, I, but I think the Ironman is is catered towards the skinnier people, so I won't get too much credit. But yeah, that's also huge too. Fasting the fitness, the Ironman competitions. We come back from same exact thing, whereas on the weekend, some teams are out drinking a lot you get winter break and you get to go to fun places and you get to make your own decisions and you're away from the team. But here's at Virginia, you come back, you are immediately hitting the ground running with testing. And we don't do a lot of sprints as a program, but we have fast family fitness in preseason. So your numbers are all recorded. We wear catapults. We have 40 yard dashes. They're laser timed. We have bench press competitions, hang pulls. We I won't give it all away, but we do a lot. And it's a competition and the points are sent out every night and Lars sent some pretty funny emails whether you're getting chirped for your time or whether you did a great job. And I think that's another way of like, all right, we have to give the players some time off, but how do we make sure that they're not making stupid decisions? How do we make sure they're staying in shape when they come back? We'll have a competition. Everyone wants to win it and everyone's trying. So just another kudos to the coach is a pretty smart way of keeping us in check. Yeah. Learning to compete and, yeah. and then learning to uh, I'm sure your numbers through the course of your career have uh, improved dramatically. Is that, is that accurate? Definitely. Yeah. Every year you, you figure it out. Sometimes you try to see how much gas you have left in the tank after a couple of sprints, but then you kind of make the mistake of going all out on one of the 300s and you have two left after that and your legs are gone. So over time you figure out the competition and you sort of work your way through it. Are you a good, are you a good sprinter or a good middle distance runner? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm pretty skinny, so I don't get fatigued too quick. So I'm pretty good. At that. Who, who gave you the slim reaper nickname? <laughs> uh, I think two years ago, so I get that question a lot. Two years ago, I think Ty Sanders tweeted it after a game I, I played all right in. And then I thought it was going to die out, but John Fox, Doc Sake, and my brother Marshall, they had, they had different plans. And credit to them, they've got it all the way to you guys up there in the booth every game. Um, Marshall, my other brother, made shirts for last year's playoffs, which I guess didn't make it too far. But yeah, it just took off like Wild Parks. Those guys are obsessed with it. So shout out to them. What do you call Schellenberger? You just call him Shelly or you call him Connor? Shell. Mostly Shell. 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 Any other any other notable uh, nicknames? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Jeff Connor is uh Jay Cool now. So we've been trying to spread. Jay Cool. Jay is that, cool. That's a new one? That's a new one. Yeah. He had a Joe Burrow shirt on at breakfast last other day, which is a big mistake because now he's forever Jay Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Are, are you a Giants, Jets, or 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 a New England fan? I'm a Giants fan. Not a great one, but I'm a Giants fan. McConby got a nickname. T Bird. T Bird. That was started by PD. Los- I like the nicknames trend. That was started by PD Lasalle. Give credit where it's due. Shots. Shotsy. Just Shotsy. What about Ricky Mizan, the new guy? Uh, he calls himself Slick Rick, which we like, but we call him Slinky <laughs> Rick because it just messes <laughs> him a little bit. He doesn't like Slinky, but it's Slinky. Uh, yeah, Coach Tiffany is uh, one of my favorite coaches to deal with because he, he, he's just interesting. You know, whether we're talking about chopping wood in the backyard or reading books. I, got, I mean, I got books on my shelves that I've purchased and read because of his advice. And it, when I see stuff that interests me, I send it to him and he sees stuff that interest, he thinks will interest me. And so uh, we're, we're peers. We graduated college at, at the same time. So uh, that, that's fun. Uh, how, would, how would you describe his coaching style? Great question. I am mostly with Coach Kerwin, but I live with a lot of D guys. And so I'm channeling my thoughts from them. He is hard on you and he's unpredictable is the best way I'd put it. From my experience, you never know what he's going to say or do next, which is why I think people in the media love him so much because he's so like, he gives you great answers and he's so thoughtful with every answer and he means every word, but that goes both ways, right? You know, if you have a bad day, he's going to tell you and he's going to be hard on you. And I always joke, I couldn't play defense here. The things I hear, but it obviously builds like these guys and he, he picks these guys that sometimes aren't the highest recruits. Like offensively, I think you got to see a lot of the top guys going to Virginia, but he, he sees these things in kids and he creates these incredible players, these lanky Jurassic park, like guys, I would say he tells it how it is, which I respect a lot. I, I like hearing him get on guys. It gets on me. I, I like it. I like being told like what I'm doing wrong. I don't, we don't really need to be coddled at this age, I think. So I like that he just gives, he's a straight shooter and he doesn't tell you exactly what he thinks. Even if it's like just off the cuff, the craziest thing you've ever heard, he, he gives it straight. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. Wahoos play Maryland at two o'clock. It's the ACC network. Uh, Kark and Anish, I believe will be uh, on site for that one. How, how would you best describe the Maryland rivalry. Yeah, Maryland rivalry, it's bloody. I mean, they beat up on us twice last year, and we didn't forget that. We don't forget a lot here, Virginia. Um, I'll also say that the team we have this year, it is all about us. It's all inward, but we didn't forget what they did twice. So I think we've we've ended their season a couple years ago, and they ended ours. So now it's just another chance to punch them in the mouth. Do you, do you find having worthy adversaries like a team like Maryland – makes you work harder, makes you invest in your craft, makes you invest in your team? Oh, definitely. I think after that last game last year in, in Ohio, we were in the locker room for a while talking about, like, they, you, you guys talk about it all the time, and it's true. They raised the ball of college across forever. Probably they, the way they moved the ball in offense, you know, we're, we're taking things from them, and, and why would you not? The way the, the numbers they put up and the way they just sort of rolled into Natty last year, I mean, they were incredible, so credit to them, but they set the bar, and then we're going to try to set it even higher. So it definitely – fuels us and it feeds us and it allows you to not really rest in your laurels, but you always have to get better. So uh, shout out to them for that, I guess. It's two o'clock on Saturday, ACC network. Uh, we also have, uh, I'll be at the wrestling tournament, but obviously March madness goes on. Are you a college hoops fan? You, you, you follow a uh, coach and, and the Cavaliers. Yeah, we follow them pretty good. We're, we're buddies with a couple of them, which is cool. And we're pumped for them. Um, sad loss in the ACC finals a couple of days ago, but yeah, we're excited for them. Uh, we were, we're very old, our art class. So we were freshmen. We won a national championship 2019, and that was awesome to be here. That was one of the coolest experiences, the campus just going off and stuff. But, yeah, we're big sports of them. We Lars loves Tony Bennett, and we take a lot from stuff from him. So I, I'd say definitely, yeah, we're going to be watching them. Good luck to them.
Well, Xander, I've enjoyed our time today. I want to finish up with one in terms of who's your hero? Who, who's, who's somebody you look to uh, when, you, when you need inspiration, uh, they, when you need uh, to you know, draw strength to keep you, keep you moving forward? Um, it's a great question, too. Uh, I'll say my dad. I mean, he's just been a rock for our family through everything. Um, one thing I like about him a lot is his, his modesty and his humbleness and how he's able to sort of just like He's, he's the funniest guy in any room. He, well, at least he thinks so, but he's pretty funny. But um, I mentioned he was a college tennis star, and you never know that. All he talks about is his club hockey days at Carolina. And he's just goofy, and he, he's very humble, and he just gets everything done, his work ethic. And I think he's instilled that in a lot of us, and I think we all look to him for, like, if there's a problem, like, he's just, I'm going to fix it, and I'm not going to brag about it. I'm just going to be quiet and, and get it done. So I, I'd say him. Is he so humble that you had to look up his tennis record uh, at, at one point to say, he's wow, so humble that was He's so humble that when I woke up to challenge him, he said, I'm going to beat you 6-0, 6-0. And he did. <laughs> so scoring a point against your dad on the, on the court is, is, an, is a major achievement. I got a point. I got a couple of points. But yes, wow. it is a major achievement. Well, enjoy your, uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoy the game this Saturday. You guys got uh, quite a stretch coming up. Uh, as I mentioned, you got uh, Maryland and Notre Dame on the 25th out in South Bend. Hopefully you'll get a warm day for that. I got you guys on that Friday game. Uh, I'm coming down to Charlottesville for that Duke game on that Friday night. So uh, enjoy your March. Uh, you know, it should be exciting. Uh, you know, you go to a place like Virginia to play in these, these type of games. Uh, so, so enjoy it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're looking forward to the rest of the season. Sandra Dixon, thank you.